Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. There are some cases that change everything. How society acts, how parents choose to parent, how police handle cases, and how lawmakers see situations. On October 22, 1989, one of these cases began with the abduction of an 11-year-old boy. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jacob Wetterling, born February 17, 1978, was out riding his bike with his friends like they did most days in their St. Joseph, Minnesota town. On this day, October 22, 1989, at around 9 p.m., 11-year-old Jacob and his younger brother, Trevor, and friend Aaron Larson were heading home from a local convenience store where they had just rented a movie. That's when a man, clad in a stocking cap mask and armed with a revolver, came out of a driveway and ordered the boys to throw their bikes into the ditch and lie face down on the ground. 
He then asked each of the three boys what their ages were before telling Trevor, only 10 years old as opposed to Jacob and Aaron's 11, was told to run towards a nearby wooded area and, if he looked back, he would be shot. The masked man then turned his attention back towards Jacob and Aaron, asking to see each of their faces. Then, for whatever reason, he picked Jacob and told Aaron to run away. This was the last time Jacob was seen alive. When the boys made it out of the woods, they told a neighbor what had just happened. Almost immediately, a mass search for the young boy began. But when all they could find was the abandoned bikes, the search was called off at 3 a.m. and picked back up at 8 a.m. the next morning. The FBI soon joined, but no one seemed to know where Jacob was or who could have taken him. Hundreds of tips came in, and some witnesses reported seeing a strange man glaring at convenience store customers where the boys got their movie, and another lead, called in two months after Jacob's abduction, stated that a boy just 10 miles away had a very similar story to tell. That boy was Jared Shirel. On January 13, 1989, Jared was kidnapped on his walk home from ice skating, pulled into a car, sexually assaulted, and threatened by an unknown man. The man used a gun and, upon releasing him, told him to run and not look back or he would be shot. The similarities were shocking, and they realized there was a monster in their small town. When Jared had made the original police report, he was able to describe a number of details about his attacker and the vehicle he was in. With the help of his descriptions, the police pinpointed a man who was already on their radar. But when asked to pick him out of a lineup, Jared could not. And because his description of the car was not absolutely accurate, the man was let go. Nine months later, now that Jacob was missing, police brought the man back in once again. But after a series of mistakes and misjudgments on the part of the investigators, this man was never arrested and the case went cold. It wasn't until June 30th, 2010, 20 years after his abduction, that a search warrant brought investigators to a farm near the abduction site where, quote, items of interest were found and hauled away. However, forensics were unable to establish anything of use and the case chilled once more. Then in May of 2014, investigators confirmed that they were taking another look at a series of attempted and actual child molestations of at least five teenaged boys that occurred in the Painesville area in the years before Jacob's abduction. With the help of the boys, now men who agreed to be re-interviewed, and an internet blogger, police were finally able to put a familiar name back on their suspect list. The man who Jared's police report originally brought them to, the man they let go, Danny James Heinrich. Danny was named as a person of interest publicly in October of 2015, the year that those DNA samples taken in 1989 were finally matched to the samples taken from Jared's sweatshirt. While this seemed like good news, prosecutors could not bring charges against Danny for the assault as the statute of limitations had expired, so they had to nail him on something much bigger. A search warrant for his home found child pornography, enough to finally lead to his October 28th arrest. Danny, now in custody, struck up a deal with investigators and, on September 1, 2016, led authorities to the site where he had buried Jacob Wetterling. Inside of the grave was Jacob's clothing and human remains. 
all these years later, the answers were finally coming to light. He admitted to kidnapping, handcuffing, molesting, and murdering Jacob, stating that the frightened boy asked, what did I do wrong, as he handcuffed him and drove away. He also admitted to the abduction and sexual assault of Jared Shirell. He said that, thanks to a police scanner he had, he was able to stay one step ahead of the investigation. In return, he pled guilty to one count of the 25 federal child pornography charges. He was sentenced to a maximum term of 20 years, and at the end of his term, the state is allowed to seek his civil commitment as a sexual predator, which could prevent him from ever going free. This does seem like a small price to pay for such a heinous crime. In the years following his abduction, Jerry and Patty Wetterling formed the Jacob Wetterling Foundation, an advocacy group for children's safety, and in 1994, the federal Jacob Wetterling Act was passed and became the first law to institute a state sex offender registry. The pair continued to be incredible advocates for victims and have turned their tragedy into something worthwhile. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.